This is Greg Olson, here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual-threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hustle presented by Event Dynamic. Event Dynamics specializes in maximizing revenue and increasing attendance. I'm Travis Apple, and I'll be your host of this podcast. I've been fortunate to spend my entire career in the sports sales industry, and I wanted the opportunity to give back, to give back to not only those individuals that want to get into this business, but for those individuals that are in this business that want to continue to excel at an elite level. For those of you who know me, hustle has always been important, hence the name, each week. I'm going to have the opportunity to sit down with industry professionals, to talk about their career path, what it takes to be successful, and ultimately a few key takeaways for you to apply to your everyday. Without further ado, our guest this week, this next individual is someone that has consistently worked with executive leaders and owners in his career and has held C-level executive roles in minor league baseball, the NBA, and now in the MLS. Our next guest is the CEO of the New York City Football Club, Brad Sims. Brad, welcome to the show. Hey, Travis. Thanks for having me. Brad, for, for the past 15 years of your career, you've held top-level roles and have consistently dealt with ownership groups. And you know, I'm sure the question that you get a lot and certainly a question that's asked in this business a lot is, how do you prepare yourself for those type of meetings, not only with owners, and then ultimately what is the, the advice that you give to salespeople that want to talk to C-level executives you know, to get business done as well? Sure, yeah. So, yeah, first, thanks, thanks for having me. I, I, I love – I love 52 weeks of uh, of hustle. It, it suits you well. It's a, it's perfect. And you know, we go back a while. And I know that one thing that uh, always stood out about uh, you to me was was hustle. That's you know, if I define define Travis Apple one word, so that's a fitting fitting name for your for your podcast. And uh, you know, appreciate that. Say, yeah, what I would say on that one is, uh, I, I actually I don't think that managing up is all that different from managing down. You know, really, I think when when it all comes down to it, I think that you kind of manage people differently. Uh, and you know, if you if you just had a uh, a blanket way of managing people, it's not gonna. I don't think it's gonna work very well uh, for anybody. I think you got to get to know people. Um, you know, for me, managing staffs for the last you know number of years, uh, each time you want to get to know your people, understand like what their hot buttons are, what you know, what motivates them. Uh, and and try and manage them accordingly to to try and get the most of, of them and, and I think from a managing up standpoint you, that that works the same way you know from from whether it's owners or or your managers at whatever level you're at now in your career um, understanding what's important to them and and uh, and trying to figure out uh, what are the how do they like to be communicated to how often do they want to be communicated to um, what you know what are the things that that they really care the most about. Uh, and then you try and align, <laughs> align your focus with those things. <laughs> um, really, I think the, you know, a couple of things that I also feel 
are important that I've, that I've learned is, uh, you know, just communication is key. Um, not necessarily more communication with everybody, um, but, but communicating on the things that they, that they really care about and want to know. Um, I always feel no surprises is a big one. I think, um, I feel like owners and, and people at a high level, uh, you know, they definitely don't want, uh, bad surprises. Sometimes they don't even want good surprises. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, you know, so I think it's, uh, you know, just no, no surprises generally is, is, is a good place to be. I mean, you know, coming with uh, solutions instead of problems um, is, is, is another one. And, and just trying to, to again, understand, I, I guess right now, um, you know, for instance, you know, my, my, my boss and is our global CEO for city football group. And um, he, he moves quickly, man. I mean, I, he, he keeps things tight. Like if you have a third, if you have a 30 minute block in the schedule, it, it really means 15. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and so it's one of these things where you got to get to the point, you got to understand. And these are things I had to learn, you know, kind of early on and, and, and trying to adapt to my style. I've had other, um, you know, bosses and other owners that you know have, have uh, different, different styles. Um, typically I, I feel the higher up you get, the less time people have because they have, they're doing too much. So it, it is, you got to be better at being, um, being concise and being to the point and, and, and really briefing them on the things that are important to them. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's great advice. And to your point, just having a plan and being proactive with it and over communicating, no matter who you're communicating to. But I loved what you said is, you know, it's no different from managing up to managing down. And, you know, as a, as a sales professional or sales team members goes to a, a CEO of, of any company, you know, just know your audience. Yep, definitely. And in terms of like getting, you know, if you're a B2B seller and you're, you're trying to get to a C-level decision maker, I mean, it's again, understanding that they, they don't have a lot of time and they don't want to in, in time is kind of precious. So it's, how, how do you have a value proposition? How can you be, be quick and to the point? How can you make them feel confident that you're not going to take up 30 or 45 or 60 minutes of their time, but you can get your point across in five minutes or 10 minutes or 15 minutes. So, um, and, and just really having some kind of, you know, interesting value, value proposition that, that would make giving them five or 10 or 15 minutes of your time worthwhile. Well, speaking of time, certainly appreciate your time. You know, I know it's certainly a busy time for you as always. So certainly appreciate time being on here on 52 Weeks of Hustle. And, and Brad, before we dive into your illustrious career, you've always been an avid soccer fan. You're part of this 69,000 people crowd at the Rose Bowl during the MLS inaugural season back in 96. And now you're part of the league. And in addition to your role at NYCFC, you're also part of that city football global leadership team, which consists of Manchester City Football Club, Garana FC in Spain, Melbourne City FC in Australia, Yokohama F. Marinos in Japan, and Club Altico Torque in Uruguay. And, and I'm sure I probably mispronounced a team or two. Especially uh, that last one. Yeah, that one was a, a tough one. And, you know, I practiced it three or four times. I even tried to go on translations to understand it, and I knew I was still going to butcher it pretty bad. But, uh, but in general, you also, you know, you oversee that group uh, revenue verticals for ticketing, premium, and hospitality for all of that, you know, with the global leadership team. And so how often are you on calls and meetings with some of your counterparts from some of the other, you know, countries? Yeah. Yeah. We have a, we have a big group and that was part of the attractiveness of, of the opportunity for me. I think, you know, soccer is um, other than basketball, which I'd spent, you know, most of the last 15 years of my career in the NBA between the, between teams and, and league, but um, soccer is, is the one is really the truly global sport. And, um, that was something that was very attractive to me. This organization being more than 
um, just, you know, a, a single MLS team, but also being part of this, you know, broader group with, with a flagship club like Manchester City, who's, you know, one of the top, you know, by any measure, one of the top five clubs in the world. So, um, it, and it's been a grow, it's a growing company. I mean, there, this was, um, the city football group was something that, that started in, in two, only in 2012. Um, you know, New York City was the second team, uh, of that group in, in 2015, um, for season, and then, founding and then played in 2016 so um since then now we're actually up to nine clubs now so even since i've been with the organization 18 months now um we added a club in in uh, china we added a club in india and then about three weeks ago we added a club in belgium so even during a pandemic we're we're adding mode uh and it's it's exciting to be a part of an organization that's growing uh like that we we have a, a leadership team um, across, you know, kind of all the verticals across the business on a broad level, um, and and then kind of CEOs of individual business units. So it's maybe you know, 12 to 15 of us. Uh, and it used to be like for my first year on the job, it was a, kind of a monthly meeting, you know, for like a half day kind of you know high level strategy of kind of the direction and vision for the for the company globally, uh, which was really interesting to be to be a part of. We also got together. At, Three times a year was a was a goal where we got everyone in some part of the world and um, got together in person for uh, for meetings. Uh, since uh, you know, since COVID hit, um, definitely no travel. Uh, no, and and uh, the monthly meetings uh, went to twice a week meetings. So now um, we've been on the phone. And for me, uh, it, they're early. <laughs> you got to try and capture the time. All the different time zones. So you got someone in Australia. You got someone in New York. You have people in England, you have people in Spain, you know, and, and kind of uh, all throughout the, the world. So um, they're usually 5 or 6 a.m., you know, for me. Um, sometimes I always try and uh, always try and beg the, the, the EA that's working on it. I'm like, can you make it 7 a.m., please? <laughs> Just a little bit later. In U.K., but uh, mostly they're 5 and 6 a.m. And uh, but it, it, so we're, we're constantly communicating much more than we did previous because of just – the nature of, of the situation and, and how fast everything has moved and how um, important uh, ratcheting up communication uh, across uh, our clubs and our verticals has been during during the situation. So that's been in, in a lot of ways good because a lot more connectivity with um, you know my counterparts across our, our global leadership team. Um, you know I love it, it's more effective. I think generally in, in everything we do, it's more effective to be face to face. And I'm a I'm big I'm a big on face-to-face guy yeah. from selling or managing, leading, um, and, and just from a, what what you can accomplish from a culture standpoint. But you know, the, the, every, everyone's obviously gotten very accustomed to all the video platforms, and um, and we're doing that all day, every day. And and you can be actually so much more productive than I had anticipated. Like if you asked me in March um, versus now, um, you know what? You know how how productive we'd be. I, I'm very surprised and, and proud, actually, of you know, kind of how quickly um, people in our organization have, have adapted. So a lot of communication, um, and it's mostly early in the morning for me. Yeah, no, absolutely. And to your point, it's continuing to evolve. And you, you leading some of those group verticals, like in the the ticket and premium and, and hospitality space. What are some similarities and maybe differences in those revenue streams from you know almost kind of you know country to country, continent to continent? 
Yeah, in, in our organization, it's just it's a massive. Difference. I mean, the the rev the kind of the revenue at, at Manchester City, dwar- you know, dwarfs what everyone else is doing. I mean, it, it's it's an amazing machine and what they built there um, on the pitch and from from a business standpoint is incredible. And and again, one one of the things that that I wanted to be a part of was was really interesting to me um, when when looking at the opportunity. So it, it's really, I mean, it's Manchester City that is is way up here, and then New York City is where the next where the next kind of in in tor- in terms of a group. I think MLS is a more um, even even though we're only celebrating our 25th anniversary season in the relative uh, grand scheme of things in North American sports, we're kind of the the new kid on the block yeah. um, versus our other clubs around the world. You know, I think we're we have a much uh, you know much more uh, robust uh, business opportunity from a commercial standpoint. So uh, you know, we, we're kind of there. And then, but you know, these these clubs like Girona's in in La Liga in Spain. I mean, I was out there, uh, I guess last September, and and went to a match, and it was amazing. It was, you know, jam packed. You know, their capacity is probably twelve thousand or so. Uh, and, uh, you know, really, really jam-packed in there, great atmosphere. But from a, you know, going back to hospitality, premium seating standpoint, next to nothing. I mean, it, it's just, you know, it, it's, and that's the case with most of our clubs, other than Manchester City, who, who has a um, unbelievable stadium, continues to reinvest in the in the um, fan experience and in the stadium um, infrastructure, uh, is always trying to be ahead of things at a hospitality standpoint. So they do a, a really great job, and then we're working on that, for in New York, uh, we, you know, we're working on building the first ever um, soccer-specific stadium within the five boroughs of New York, and so that's a, a big project that, uh, that I've been working on for the past 18 months, and and that we're looking forward to, to making a reality in the near future. No, that's great. You hit the nail on the head. A few years ago, I had the opportunity to to travel to Italy and went to an AC Milan game. Oh, and nice. The crowd was amazing, but to your point of the fan experience, it was like you go in, you sit in your seat, and you start chanting. Very little concessions, no premium areas, no hospitality. It's like you're there for the football match, and then you're leaving. <laughs> yeah, I went. I went to a match and yeah, kind of probably had the same experience in Barcelona, which in you know it's a hundred plus thousand people, and it's just you know you think it's the mecca, and and I you know I get in, I'm so excited to get in, go go to this match. And I walk up and like the concessions, you know, experience was like on par with like my high school football. <laughs> right. Yeah. Maybe. Um, and I was like, wait, what? What is going on here? Like, where, you know, where's all the premium areas? And you expect, you know, you expect FC Barcelona should have like a, like a Jerry World. You know, right. it should be a club after club. Yeah. Um, and so th- there's a big opportunity, I think, in a lot of places, um, you know, markets around the world uh, to to potentially do that and invest more in, in those areas. But we're hoping to be uh, the gold standard uh, for MLS uh, stadiums when, when we get ours built. Nice. Well, and th- that kind of leads into the next segment here, you know, Brad. And so in addition to being a part of that global leadership team, I guess currently your, let's call it maybe job 1A, is actually being the CEO you know, of NYCFC. And you've been there, to your point, 18, you know, 18 19 months now. And the team's been in existence uh, you know, really since 2015. So what does a typical day look like for you? Yeah, I mean, uh, pre pre COVID, you know, it, it, I was spending uh, about four days a week in our Manhattan office, uh, which is our, our main business office, and about one day a week um, at our training facility, which is in, in the suburbs in, in Rockland County, uh, New York. 
and um, you know, just really kind of really the day is it's meetings and it's calls and meetings. Uh, you know, really, I mean, it's um, I mean, I I probably you know thirteen to fifteen you know meetings a day, pretty much usually you know every thirty minutes is is is, is booked. Some of that is, uh, is a lot of it. I would say is probably self-inflicted. I'm I'm really big on um, one-on-one communication. I, I always kind of, always kind of have been, and um, really trying to to be able to give give time on a regular basis to um, our our team members. So not just my direct reports, but kind of a, a, anyone that holds any kind of leadership role in our organization, anyone who manages people at at any level. Um, I have a regular standing one-on-one with them. You know, some of those are weekly, some are bi-weekly, some are monthly, some are bi-monthly, and some are quarterly. But I, I've got everybody on the calendar on a, on a regular um, basis. Uh, I do that also with uh, from a city football group uh, level, kind of the members of the leadership team and kind of people in, in roles that, that uh, I need to have communication with on a regular basis. We have those in the calendar. So I think I have, I have something like, you know, 47, you know, regularly scheduled one-on-one meetings. Um, and those are important to me. If I can't make them for some reason, I, we, I reschedule them the next day or the day. I mean, I always, we always keep them. Uh, and it, it, it's just, I, I feel my role more than anything is, is hopefully we hire great people. And then for me, it's find find out what the barriers are to them being successful and try and remove those barriers. And the only way I'm going to find that out is if I have conversations with them and, and understand what uh, the pain points are, what, what the challenges are at any given moment and, and then figure out how to, how to help. So that, that's, that's kind of, again, some of it is self-inflicted and, and my days are con- constant one after the other. And then the emails stack up and then, you know, I go home and I have dinner and I put my kids to bed and then I get back on the computer and then I answer, you know, all the emails uh, from, uh, from the, the day and, and then kind of do it all over again uh, the next day. But uh, that generally, but on the, on the flip side, every day also feels different. You know, it's, and it always has my whole career, just as you said earlier, I'm fortunate to have your whole career in the sports industry and the same, same with me. Uh, and it's one of those things where, you know, many times throughout my career, I felt like it was a, you know, the sports center commercial where, you know, you're just around and there's a mascot walking down the hall and other, you know, random stuff is happening. And, and, and <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah, the, you know, this is a di- different and, and every day, you know, it seems there, there's different things going on. Like I'm, I'm focused on our stadium project, but I'm focused on now our, our return to play and, and getting staff going. My role in um, here in, in NYC, I'm, I'm responsible for the for the football operation. I'm responsible for the whole operation. So um, what, what we call the sporting side, uh, and you know that that's a responsibility, which is why I spend time with the uh, with our staff there at our, our training facility, and um, so it, it's. It's just something different every day, but um, but all that differences are all coming in the forms mostly of face-to-face meetings, calls. Right. You know, and to say the least, you're you're busy, but I think you know one of the things I I took away from that is you know those self-inflicted wounds, but those are probably the good self-inflicted wounds because you know to your point, immersing yourself within your team members. I think for any leader listening, they certainly go through that where. Hey, I, I've got you know 15 one-on-ones in the next two days. What can I do? Well, the I think the biggest piece of advice you said there is you can't cancel it. You may have to postpone it or reschedule it, but you can't cancel it. You've got to you invest in your team members. Yeah, I think ultimately, yeah, at some point in my career, I came to the decision that you know you either prioritize you prioritize yourself over your people or your people over yourself. And I think that um, I you know I, I chose the latter, and I think that. 
um, those that, that do that, you know, ultimately um, it, it cre- it's more work, um, you know, it, it's more time consuming, um, you know, but, but ultimately I think that that's, and, and that's what, you know, and I have a lot of nights where I'm like, I'm on a computer doing, you know, replying the emails at, you know, midnight and 1am and all that kind of stuff, which is why I hate having the early morning meetings. But, um, you know, but I, I think, you know, I'm, <laughs> but that's the sacrifice I feel like to, to being able to prioritize people and, and show that, that that's the number one most important thing. And I'll, I'll deal with my busy work later on my own personal time, because when, when we're on work time, they're the first priority. No, that's great. And, and, and Brad, I know, you know, you just mentioned like there's always a lot of moving pieces, you know, not only are you kind of office in two different areas, but then, you know, I know you guys are, are currently playing at Yankee Stadium and then due to scheduling conflicts, you played at City Field, at Red Bull Arena, like, you know, and in this business, but to that point earlier, you want to immerse yourself in with those team members to understand what those barriers are of being successful and elite and, you know, talk a lot about control, what you can control. And, and certainly there's times within your own setup that, that's difficult. So how do you go about ensuring your team members are still focused on the job at hand and on a consistent basis? And what advice do you give to everyone that that's going to have obstacles come in their way? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm a big, big believer in kind of control what you can control. And I feel like there's all, if you, if you want to make it real simple there, I always feel like there's two things that you can control yourself every single day um, and in any kind of environment, and that's your work ethic and your attitude. So, I mean, if you, you can outwork, out hustle everyone, and you can have a positive attitude, you can, you can, you have a hundred percent control of those two things every single day of your life. I, you know, I, I've always preached that, you know, and I, and I think, you know, ultimately this is a, this is also, it's a results business. Um, but I, I, I mean, it's been so rare throughout my career where I've seen, I've, I've been around, uh, somebody who is, you know, has an exemplary work ethic and has a, has a consistently positive attitude and that hasn't translated into results. It's been, right. it's, it almost never happens. And so um, me, that's a, that's a pretty simple uh, kind of formula for, you know, success and for growth um, in over time. Uh, and, you know, I think other than that, I would say, you know, I really do think that, um, People, people who are intellectually curious and, and you know, want to be um, thought leaders and kind of innovators in the space, and our industry needs more of that. Uh, and there's there's an opportunity and an opening for for people who who kind of take their that passion and and kind of go that extra mile to to, to figure out what um, come up with new ideas, be creative, and 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 try and um, drive, drive a business forward. And, and even if you don't, even if a, if an organization doesn't end up acting on, you know, ideas, I think you get, get credit for being proactive, being creative and, and, and trying to, to push, push the business forward. Yeah. And being a thought leader in this space and what better time than now, you know, continue to, to totally. invest in yourself and find a way to be elite. And so Brad, as CEO of the MLS franchise and one of the biggest marketplaces in the world, Certainly a lot of media and a lot of press is constantly out, you know, and unfortunately in this world is both positive and negative. And earlier this re- you know, this year, I read an article that you had mentioned that the NYCFC is going to be more transparent with everything going on from, from the team and the business side. You know, why do you think that was beneficial, uh, you know, to, to come out and say and in a role like yours? Yeah, you know, 
we talked about one-on-ones and, and kind of my first order of business when I, when I got the job here in New York is I uh, committed to uh, giving every single team member 30 minutes uh, one-on-one face-to-face like from intern to assistant academy coach to you know IT to I mean literally like every single person in the entire organization 140 you know about 140 or so people um, that I sat with in in the first 90 days and and you know Really, what I, I wanted to get to know them. I wanted to know their background, kind of know their know their story, um, because I, I was interested in that. And again, trying to figure out also what what their goals were in their career and um, what what kind of what were their hot buttons, what what motivated them. But I also wanted to learn about the organization and try and figure out in their mind uh, what what do they like about working here, what did they not like about working here, what do they think um, as a club that we do well, what do they think we don't do well. Uh, and and the, some themes themes emerged, and I asked those same questions, by the way, when I did uh, events with uh, season ticket holders or partners, you know, you know, premium seat holders, and kind of asked the same type of questions. And um, you you get some themes emerge, and once you hear something, you hear something once or twice, you go okay. Uh, but if you hear it twenty or thirty or forty times, you're like, all right, this is you know, this is important to people. So um, in transparency was was one of those things that are both internally and externally. That kind of a there was a, for whatever reason a feeling that kind of historically through the previous kind of five uh, years of the franchise that um, maybe maybe the club hadn't been transparent you know both internally to, to team members and, and then externally um, and so I heard that and I said we got we got to be better we got to um, be more communicative we got to we got to try and uh, get out in front of you know get out in front of things and not have them be the last. To hear and also be transparent on things that you can't be transparent on, <laughs> you know, which is, which is one of the things where some, you know something that I had to have the conversation with some with with everyone and say, hey, there's certain things and times where we're not going to be able to um, give you 100 percent of the information that you want because because of something that is there are there are things in business that um, you know that you you can't. Share that have to be highly, highly confidential or else it could be detrimental to the business. Um, and, uh, you know, I said, we'll let you know in those situations, I'll say there's there's something, you know, that we'll share with you as soon as we can. I can't right now because it's it's very, there's there's risk um, in in breaching the confidentiality. Uh, and and I think people appreciate hearing that even, that, you know, that, that at least there's some explanation uh, behind that. And so uh, th- those are the things that, you know, trying to be more proactive, thinking about when something's coming down the pike, just having us, not just me, kind of organization-wide, think in terms of the lens of who, who are we going to share this with? What's the cadence of sharing? Um, one thing I, you know, I kind of promised our, to our team members internally is, like, you're going to hear it first uh, and, you know, to the best of our abilities every time. Um, you may only hear it five minutes before we send an email to season ticket holders or we have a press release or 30 minutes before, 60 minutes before, um, but you'll hear it first, um, you know, from, from us. And so those kind of things, I think, uh, you know, have, have gone a long way. You've counted on restaurants. Now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. 
Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your local restaurants are still open for delivery, too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live, out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices. Plus, Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use code BLUEWIRE. So again, we're here on 52 Weeks of Hustle. The guest today, Brad Sim, CEO of New York City Football Club. And So, Brad, going back to where it all started, you attended University of California, San Diego, studied communications and political science. So, you know, as you're ready to embark on your college career, what were some of your early jobs or experiences that kind of led you down that path? You know, in college I was pre-law, and I think it was either like end of my sophomore year or beginning of my junior year, I read, I read something that said, at this moment in time, there are more people in law school than there are lawyers. And I thought to myself, I'm like, is that right? Is that, could that be right? Because there are a lot of lawyers. And so yeah. I started thinking, I was like, man, maybe, maybe, maybe I don't really need to be a lawyer. And it wasn't something that I was really passionate about. And I said, you know, I was thinking to myself, I'm, I'd probably be a really good lawyer, but I don't know if I really love being a lawyer. Um, and in the long run, I wanted to be doing something I was passionate about. And so um, the only thing I could think of that I, was, that I felt I was really passionate about was sports. And and so I walked down to our kind of athletic department and just kind of knocked on the door and said, are there any jobs? You know, like, can I help? Can I do anything? Like, what, what, what do you guys need help with? And um, that led to, you know, kind of a, an on-campus internship in our sports information department. Uh, where I did everything from setting up and breaking down tables and, you know, for all of our um, intercollegiate uh, games to, I I turned into a PA announcer actually for uh, men's and women's soccer, men's and women's basketball and, and, uh, uh, and softball Um, for whatever reason. um, So I did, I kind of did a little bit of everything and uh, this was, uh, it was, it was a lot of fun. I loved it. And, uh, our, our SID, you know, said, Hey, you should, you should turn this into a career. You should try and, um, you know, work. And I said, well, how do, how do I do that? You know, how's that work? And, um, so I, I started talking to a lot of people. I, I actually started, you know, ironically, I, I started cold calling. I was, a, I was a big baseball guy. I played, I played baseball, basketball, and soccer growing up, but I was at that point in my life, I was a huge, huge baseball uh, fan. And so I was like, maybe I'll work in professional baseball. And, uh, I started just kind of cold calling, minor league baseball teams around the country. And I was thinking that minor league baseball, I would get a chance to actually do more real work than if I was at the most entry level at a, at a major league baseball team. That was my thought process at the time that I would actually maybe learn more and be able to do some more meaningful work. So I was uh, waking up in San Diego, you know, at six, you know, five thirty six AM and starting to call uh, teams on the East coast, uh, you know, to try and get people as they were coming in the office. And then I would move to central time zone then the mountain time zone. And then, and then ultimately to, to Pacific time zone. Um, and what, what I didn't realize I was doing at the time was, was 
selling, you know, it was cold calling and selling. Yeah. I was just thinking I, I'm trying to learn, I'm trying to get information and um, make some contacts. And, uh, and so ultimately pretty much everyone told me sales is the way to go. That's where you get your foot in the door. That's where all the jobs are. And I, and I was like, I don't, uh, and ultimately I ended up in, um, in North Carolina for, for a year at the, at the Durham Bulls uh, and where I did a kind of a, a postgraduate in, internship program. Uh, and it was, uh, you know, and I was doing everything from, you know, pulling the tarp on and off the field to, you know, putting marking lines, uh, you know, parking spots in the, in the park, parking lot, you know, with chalk to, you know, to, um, you know, putting up the American flag behind, you know, center field before any games. Like, I mean, pretty much anything and everything. Uh, but I, I was a box office. I was in, in the box office. I was in that job for two weeks, two or three weeks. And uh, like three weeks into my job, our company said, hey, we have a sales trainer coming next week. Every, everyone's going through it. It doesn't matter if you're in community relations or marketing or wherever. Everyone's doing it probably because it was expensive. And so they just said, we're going to get our money's worth. We're going to put everyone through this. Uh, and uh, at the time I was like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm new. I'm going to try and do the best I can. Uh, and as it turns out, our, our sales trainer was, um, he, he's now probably, I don't know, maybe more people know him as uh, being the father of uh, Miami Heat coach, Eric Spolstra, but uh, John Spolstra is an industry legend, uh, you know, president of, the, the Nets, the, the Sacramento Kings, uh, you know, part of the Mandalay group and um, author of, of numerous books. So he was my first sales trainer. And um, after two days of sales training, uh, he and uh, he and my uh, my boss uh, took, took me out to dinner. Um, and he said, starting on Monday, you're moving into sales. <laughs> and I was like, what are you talking about? The whole, reason, the whole reason I took that job over, you know, 20 other, you know, sales opportunities was because it was the only non-sales job and uh yeah and he said no your your future's in sales that's where you're going trust me like this is this is the direction you need to go in uh and so so yeah the next monday and they didn't have a they didn't have a desk for me um they're fully staffed on the sales floor so I, i i was in the press box uh by myself um with a phone and you know cards of people to to cold call dial and dial yeah, man, and and I was uh, you know I was all by myself. I had no one to talk to. I had no internet to screw around on. Like it was, it was like I I either made calls or I just sat there and stared at the field. You know, those are the two options. So um, you gotta you gotta make calls. And um, and so yeah, that that was kind of how it how it all started. You know, from there, um, my boss and actually kind of bring the story around a little bit full circle. The the other person at that dinner was. Was uh, one of my bosses at the time is uh, was Gillian Zucker, who's now the president of the LA Clippers. Um, so she was uh, the assistant GM of uh, the Durham Bulls at the time, and, uh, and then she had introduced me to to a contact that she had in the Orioles organization um, because they, again, they didn't have a desk for me, they didn't have a place for me to go, kind of go to to move from there. And there was a, a more kind of senior level um, ticket sales option with. Uh, with the Orioles organization at their double A team uh, in Bowie. And I went up and talked to them and they offered me a role and I was, I was moving to Maryland and, and kind of, and things just keep going from there. I know you have a, a few more questions. Uh, yeah, no, no. Way, but that, that's kind of how it all started right there, you know? Yeah, no, it's uh it's great. It's a, it's a cool learning experience. You've coined the minor leagues. You, you end up spending yeah. 
um, you know, kind of five years in the minor leagues, your point with Maryland baseball, I'll see with the Bowie Bay Sox, Frederick Keys and DeMarva Shorebirds. And then you go on to work with the, you know, the Philadelphia 76ers Flyers and the Wachovia Complex uh, for three years as a senior director of group and event sales and service. And then you go on to, you, you gain that experience, your point, you, you've talked about how you gain that real life sales experience. And then you go into to working at Opening Day Partners as the Senior Vice President of Business Operations. So can you give the listeners an idea of kind of what Opening Day Partners is and what that relationship is with major and minor league baseball? So in Maryland, uh, with, the, with the Orioles organization, we had kind of a, an interesting uh, group there that the Orioles had a, a joint venture with a private uh, group called Maryland Baseball that, that owned and operated three of the teams uh, there in the state of uh, the state of Maryland, they eventually sold Comcast Spectacor. So at that point, I was folded into the Comcast Spectacor family, and ultimately they they moved me to Philadelphia and said, you know, said, hey, like we're, we want to bring you up here and start uh, managing uh, the the sales teams uh, for the Flyers and 76ers and, and the arena up there, uh, which was an amazing experience because my I had spent five six years minor league baseball very shoestring budget everything was was very tight and then you go work for a public company comcast a huge a huge um a huge company and and then with major league budgets and and i was like whoa where where did all this come from and and so it was an eye-opening uh you know the the money uh was 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 so much bigger in terms of what you know we're selling season you know season ticket in minor league baseball versus an, an nba uh, season ticket or a, a sweet rental in minor league baseball versus a sweet rental for the philadelphia flyers or for uh you know a rolling stones concert or something like that so um it, it was a great experience uh for me it also um, gave me access into uh, league, you know, NBA league meetings, NHL league meetings, things of that that nature, and, and really expanded my network, which which ultimately is is kind of how you know the next few steps of my career um, you know went along. But with Opening Day Partners, uh, that was actually the group that that I worked for in in Maryland with Maryland Baseball. So after they sold to, to Comcast. Um, they, I think they, they probably had a non-compete for some, from some short period of time. And then essentially they set out to rebuild, you know, the, the same kind of company, uh, owning and operating minor league baseball teams and markets, uh, and that were underserved. So specifically targeting markets that they felt didn't have a, their own stadium and could support, uh, a new stadium. And, uh, and so the idea was go in and, and, and build stadiums and, uh, bring new teams to market and uh and so that was something that was really exciting so an ownership group from there that I had familiarity with that that uh, recruited me to come back uh to to that organization uh at the time they were they were based in Lancaster Pennsylvania so about an hour hour and a half outside of Philly where where I was living uh they built a stadium in in Lancaster I, I kind of joined on the on the tail end of that project uh, and then we built a stadium uh, in York, Pennsylvania after that. Uh, and then we acquired a club in Camden, New Jersey. We then built a stadium in um, Charles County, Maryland, which is in the Washington, D.C. suburbs, south, uh, kind of southeast uh, D.C. suburbs. And so with those, each of those kind of projects, um, I took on kind of bigger, bigger roles. Uh, and it was for me, it was something that, that my whole career up to that point was – sales and, and really ticket sales, premium seating, but mostly, mostly ticket sales and premium seating. And, 
uh, it was an opportunity to, how, how can I get wider in my experiences? If I wanted to grow at, at, into, into bigger roles over time, how do I get experiences in areas other than sales? And so it was a, it was a great learning experience for me where I could still sell, I could manage people. I, I kind of hired the GMs of the teams and then helped build out the staffs. Uh, the, the GMs of the club, you know, reported into me. Uh, we we built these stadiums they, with boots and a hard hat and, and being in a trailer uh, and uh, you know going through meetings with architects and contractors and everything. And then I would change into a suit and go uh, try and sell sponsorships and suites and things like that in the afternoon. So great great experience. And they. Uh, you know, the opening day partners, they were part of the, they had teams and um, it was, they're mostly independent, focused on independent uh, baseball, which uh, were, you know, kind of the double A, triple A level on the high, high independent league. Uh, you get, a, you, you had more flexibility uh, in the independent league in terms of territorial roles and where you could build stadiums. And, and after I left, they actually went and, uh, and expanded into Texas. And, and so they had a club in Sugarland, which got a lot of fame for like Roger Clemens, uh, played for them and, and so other kind of pretty big names. So um, that, w- that was that experience, great experience, and really um, gave me a w- – widened my horizons and kind of put me on a different trajectory. I just say, certainly throughout some of that experience, seems like on the entrepreneurial skills, you're certainly learning a lot about that, getting a lot broader. And, you know, certainly I think all of that comes down to – it was certainly a lot of hustle, uh, you know, kind of uh, – which coincides with certainly this podcast. I mean, it seems like – a lot of a lot of late nights and uh, a lot of nights and weekends as well. So, um, you know, so the next step in your career is something uh, certainly our loyal listeners know a lot about, and that's Teambo. Is you know we've had several of the originators with, with Dr. Bernie Mullen and Dr. Sutton and Lou and uh, on the 50 weeks Hustle. And so at this point, most people know what it consists of. But my question on on your end, when you worked at Teambo for three and a half years and you're going around all the successful owners, executives, and team members that you come across through the variety of leagues uh, and teams, what stood out and what did they bring to the table every single day? Yeah, you know, what a great experience. I'm very fortunate to be part of that group. And, um, and, and again, you kind of the, the impetus of that, by the way, we're talking about relationships in this business. And, you know, from my time in, in Philadelphia, uh, you know, going to league meetings and, and having a, a Teambo account rep and my, you know, at the time that was, that was the Bernie, you know, Bernie group and, and my Teambo account rep was Scott O'Neill. And so, and then we, you know, and ultimately, um, you know, Scott was, was very instrumental, um, in, in helping me get to, get to the Teambo group, even as he was leaving and, and Chris Granger was taking over. So, you know, the, those two are, have been, been very instrumental in, in, in my career. But, um, you know, one thing that I would say about, that group is that it was kind of a, you know, it, it was next level. People talk about, you know, getting, you know, getting your, your master's degree or your PhD or whatever it is. And, and that, that felt like that was that type of experience as, as you're, as you're aware. Um, and, you know, for me in my career, one thing I, I would say I felt up into that point in my career, I, I, I did, and I don't want anyone to kind of take this the wrong way or take it, take it for what, what it's intended to be. But, um, you know, I felt like there were many times that, that I was kind of the smartest guy in the room, and I liked that. And then I got to the NBA, and I got to the Teemo group, and I never <laughs> once was the smartest guy in the room or felt like I was the smartest 
In fact, there a lot of times I thought I was the least smart guy in the room. Um, and <laughs> I, I loved that. West. And wow. I was like, yeah. And I was like, whoa, you know, this, this is, this is like mind blowing. Like this is, I got to raise my game. I got to, I got to work harder. I got to be even more proactive. I got to, you know, I got to like lift to another level to try and um, even get close to being on par with, with the, my counterparts that, that, who are so talented and, and dedicated. Um, and, and I would say that, you know, leaving there, I was, I was like, I don't ever want to be in a situation ever again where I'm the smartest guy in the room. You know, like I, I need, like I want to, I want this kind of intellectual stimulation. I want people challenging me. I want, I, I want to, I always want to work with really smart and talented people, always going forward. And, um, and that was a, you know, a huge takeaway for me and something that that has been, um, you know, in my last two stops, hugely important uh, to me as I've kind of built out teams and, and focused on. Um, getting, you know, getting recruiting top talent, uh, whether that, that has been in Cleveland or, or here with NYCFC. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, throughout your time, you know, at Teambo, obviously going in with a lot of ownerships, executives, and you know, after three and a half years, you find your next landing spot, and that's with the Cleveland Cavs. And you spend almost seven years there as the executive vice president of franchise operations and the chief revenue officer. And you helped build a team that grew revenues by double digits for two straight years, helped lead the Cavs to ranking near the top of the NBA in almost every revenue category. And you just kind of mentioned, you know, the focus on recruiting top talent and, and retaining top talent. But what were you guys doing as an organization to have so much success? Yeah, I think, you know, we're – the timing was right. I mean, when I was kind of evaluating that opportunity and, and it's kind of like what do you look for in, in organizations. And, um, you know, for me it was, it was solid ownership, um, just – you know, working with great people, um, and then also like potential to make an impact. And so, you know, that was one of the clubs that I worked most closely with when I was a, a team book account manager. I saw kind of where their business potential was the first time kind of LeBron was through from, you know, through 2010. Um, LeBron went to Miami in the business, uh, you know, went in, in uh, the wrong direction. And, but I, I knew I was like, hey, this this is an opportunity because this is a market that that loves loves sports, that loves this this team. This is an organization that that is very well run, that has talented people, um, that has a commitment uh, to being a, a top operator. And um, so I, I'm going to be given the the tools to be able to be successful. You still have to make it happen with those tools, but you know, that's one of the big keys is, is to have an organization that's going to provide you with, with the tools and the resources um, and, you know, which, which they did. And um, I saw what, what, and I knew what kind of the upside potential was if we, if we could kind of rebuild things. And so it was, I thought it was a super unique uh, and, and really interesting opportunity. And that was when the team had come off of back-to-back worst records in the NBA um, you know, and, and we end up having two years there, uh, kind of before LeBron uh, returned, uh, and, and I feel, you know, fortunate that we had kind of had that time because it, it was time to um, build build out a team, um, where you know, kind of address you know business processes and, and strategies and vision and kind of um, build for success and, and culturally. Um, you know, turn things into even though the team wasn't in a good place, like get get the culture to a good place where people were positive, where people were believing that we were going to take this thing to to great heights. Um, you know, I, I always say that you know one of my I feel like the, one of the things I was most proud about it was growing 
um, you know, growing our revenue um, double digits those first two years, um, year over year when we still, when we didn't have LeBron and, you know, because right. everyone's, oh, well, you get LeBron, of course things are going to go up. But um, I think the way we built the processes, we built everything in place. We built um, with the idea that, not not with the idea that LeBron would return per se, but with the idea that, that we were going on this kind of trajectory as a, as a team and um, we wanted to build for and prepare for success. Uh, and then when, when that ended up happening and LeBron did, did return, uh, it gave us a great, you know, we, we were ready to capitalize on it. Yep. Um, we, we were ready to capitalize on it. Um, whether that was, you know, LeBron returning or us building uh, our arena project in, in Cleveland, which was also a, you know, a, a key piece of, uh, the, of me wanting to be a, be a part of the Cavaliers organization and opportunity above there as well. Yeah, and you always did a great job of you know, not only transferring more organizations with the people, but also getting that parallel path, you know, to your point there, of running the business that when the team turns around, you're going to be ready to capitalize. Uh, and, and certainly, okay. you know, and Brad, you, you've had over 22 years of experience in the sports industry. You're a sports business journal, 40 under 40 honorary, uh, as well as the leaders, global under 40 award winner. And so what a great conversation, certainly a lot of great advice. So to, to close it out, I like to put our guests on the hustle hot seat. So you ready for this? All right. Yeah, sure. So, Let's do it. Brad, if you were a, a WWE wrestler, what would be your entrance theme song? Oh, man. If, I, if I'm a wrestler, I feel like you have to have something kind of menacing, you know? Uh, um, so probably wouldn't, you know, if you said if I was a baseball, like, what is your walk-up song would probably be different. But since you're going wrestling, um, maybe, like, Enter Sandman or something like that, which I guess <laughs> I have to be baseball. That was, like, Trevor Hoffman. But I guess I, I think daunting yeah. and, like, you know, so I, I, I'll go in. I'll go understand that. I love it. Nice. If we, if you could bring back any fashion trend, what would it be? Um, I think of something like eighties, nineties. So for me, maybe uh, either uh, either Converse weapons basketball shoes or starter jackets, like the old school starter jackets. Um, yeah, yeah. The, the, that was pretty much my my junior high high school walk around and uh, mismatched. Uh, Converse weapons and, and starter jackets. So when I go to a, a match this year uh, at NYCFC, can I can I get a starter jacket? Will that be in the the team store? I gotta look into that. We gotta we gotta yeah we gotta reach out. That, that's a new business prospect starter right now. Yeah. <laughs> and, and finally, and you know, Brad, I'm not sure if, if you and your family watch any reality TV, but you know, if you were to be on a reality TV show, what would you be on? My my wife definitely watches more than I do. I probably you know when I'm when I'm doing those emails late at night, they're on in the background. And I'm, I'll admit to some of those. I think for me, it'd probably be something beach, like something where there's a beach involved, or um, so maybe. And I know I think we like. Have you ever seen Summer House? Like I have not. Uh, it's I've like some. It, I think it's it's on either E or Bravo. It's on one of those, <laughs> but it's like Hamptons gonna Hamptons house, you know, type thing. So. Being that we live in New York, maybe maybe it'd be Summer House. That'd be Summer House. Nice. Well, and finally, Dan here, what are three key takeaways you would give every listener to be in your shoes one day? Yeah, um, I guess you know, for one would be care, you know care about people. Just generally, like if you if you like care about your people, I think it will it will be paid back to you and in spades. They're gonna work harder for you. They're gonna make you look good. They're gonna you know help help. Um, drive 
the metrics that that you're going to be judged on and um and also from a sales standpoint like if you care about the person on the other side of the table and their business and and truly about trying to figure out how how to make their business better and how you can use your your assets and your the opportunities you have for your organization to to make their business uh help their business grow and and you actually really care about that that's going to go a long way and um so that's i think a, a, the first one um second one uh, you know be we talked about this a little bit earlier maybe be intellectually curious i think and, and how that's how how do you get better how do you grow yourself how do you invest in in yourself um uh to to get better uh if if you're you know if you're not getting better there's someone out there who is and so it's uh you got to be moving forward uh, every day um and then last one this is something i always tell tell people uh that that have, that have worked for me anyone who ends up watching this work for me i've heard this before but it's uh dominate your job so it, it's not you know people you have a job and you can do your job you can do it well you can do it really well or or you can dominate at it and and um ultimately if, i feel like if you're focused on what's now instead of what's next um you have a better I, i haven't seen many people who are are preoccupied by what's next be able to actually really dominate their job but if you can focus on what's now and what's here now and you dominate your job then good things are going to happen to you and and good things will happen in your career and door, doors will will open up for you so uh just think about that you know d- dominate your job yeah I, i love it dominate your job dominate your day you know so brad thank you so much You've had such a great career. It's been a pleasure talking to you and I really appreciate your time and, and certainly your expertise and advice. Yeah, thanks thanks for having me, Travis. I appreciate uh the opportunity and um best wishes to everyone out there. Stay safe, uh, stay healthy and and uh keep dominating. Keep hustling. Again, this is Travis Apple. Thank you for listening to 52 Weeks of Hustle presented by Event Dynamics. Please be sure to follow the podcast and watch on YouTube. We're also on Twitter and Instagram, so follow us at 52 Weeks of Hustle. We'll be back next week with another industry leader. Have a great week. Did somebody say playoffs? NBA and NHL are playing for the gold and our partners at Bet Online have you covered. Get in on all the action including a new NBA bracket contest with plenty of chances to win. MLB season is pushing into the fall and there's no shortage of ways to bet with hundreds of odds, futures and props. So take advantage of the return of sports and remember, the casino never closes. Check it out all day and all night. Go to betonline.ag and use promo code bluewire to receive your welcome bonus. That's betonline.ag promo code bluewire. Betonline, your online esports experts.